Hello and welcome to the Swift Legacy podcast, a show where we talk all things Taylor Swift with a focus on her early career. We're your hosts, Amy and Molly, and today we're going to be talking about a super sassy and badass song that Taylor wrote back in 2005 that was called I Know What I Want. Feel like we need to get the new intro because that doesn't like represent who we are as a podcast anymore it sounds very scripted yeah if anyone has any suggestions for our intro please you know I thought you were talking about the intro music but there we go no I mean I mean like the hello and welcome because I think we need intro music that's like do 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 like the jaws yeah that yeah I love our intro music at the minute but like Maybe oh, it doesn't represent how, music, horrifically, but... how horrifically unhinged we are. <laughs> Welcome back to the Swift Legacy podcast. And today we are talking about a solo write from Taylor from 2005, which we have a studio demo of. So it's good quality, which is always a positive. As Molly often says, whenever we have like a good quality recording of a song, it like it makes the song better. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, there are some exceptions. Not that I can well, think of the top of my by head. The way, by no, the way. No, I'm thinking exceptions of songs that we have studio recordings of that are just not good. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> A perfectly good heart. <laughs> no. Not even no. unreleased, but Superman. No. Superman, Amy. Oh my God. Let, let's not attack the released songs. Let's attack the unreleased songs. That's what this podcast is. Um, no, I see that and I raise you lucky you. Yeah, but Lucky You is a terrible recording, I think, as well. Is it? I thought it was, like, pretty, re- like, produced. It's a studio recording, but I feel like the version we have is very, like, tinny. It is tinny, but it's produced, I suppose. Yeah. Anyway, either way, it's crap. Anyway, <laughs> we're not talking about Lucky You today because we, need to we are talking. We need to on Lucky You. Oh, God, I know. We're talking about I Know What I Want. Now, Taylor wrote this by herself in 2005, and... Honestly, we don't have any real information on it, like, to speculate who it's about. I would very much say if it was written in 2005. I don't know whether I would say it's fictional, because it's not necessarily about a relationship. It's more about, like, someone who needs to get over themselves. I feel like it almost fits in, and this is a weird song to compare it to, because they're so far apart in her, like discography but it's almost like hoax in that it's about multiple different things at the same time interesting I was I was gonna say I feel like it is written to be perceived as though it's about a relationship but I can also kind of see my turn to be me vibes in there yeah and um who I've always been that's the one thank you um like those two combined in terms of being like there are these cool people and I'm not a cool person I'm my own type of cool. I feel like those three songs can Bash always them be together. Cool. You need a little EP of those, just those three songs. Mm. I feel like they have very similar vibes. I mean, my turn to be me is, I don't know. I feel like it is a strange one to throw in there. I know I did, but I don't <laughs> know. It's my turn to be me then leads very much to the outside. But I always feel like the outside is like, the an glass half empty view like of the same situation that my turn to be me is about that's a fair point maybe yeah 
Do you see what I mean? Something but you could you could point. almost put the outside. Um, oh shit, there's a couple more, a place in this world. Maybe even invisible. I know invisible is mm-hmm. slightly about slightly different, it's more relationship-based. As like the three that counter, I know what I want my turn to be me, mm-hmm. who I've always been. I see that. I feel like there's also another one that's like school friendship group based, but it's just not coming into my mind. Okay, so let's kind of visit what the inner circle have to say about this song because reading their descriptions is always a good laugh. Molly, do you want to? Okay, so Steve says, this song is done in a very rowdy country style. It's definitely better to be one of Taylor's friends instead of one of her enemies. Steve, no offence, I think you'd be her enemy rather than her friend. <laughs> I hope Steve listens to this. I, I feel like too. I feel like Steve probably gave up on us three episodes in because he we couldn't take the Steve slander. Okay, we find out that Taylor loves to blast her music with the windows down so she can scream. That's well done, Steve. Paraphrasing, Steve. Paraphrasing at its best. She's singing to a guy who loves looking into the mirror himself and sounds very self-absorbed. Like you, Steve. (laughs) Sorry, I've not read this before. She no, she always gets what she wants, but it ain't him. (laughs) I am. I have to say, of all the descriptions, that tops them. It's one of the good ones in terms of comedy value. Um. I mean, does he sum up the storyline in that? I don't know. I feel like it's a very surface level. Like we were just discussing that it's probably about multiple things. It doesn't seem like it's just about a relationship, that kind of thing. And Steve's taking it as purely relationship. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this (laughs) this is is really weird and really (laughs) specific, okay? All right. So I know that. Um, but I think I was obsessed with this song when I was reading the second Stargirl book. Um, I don't know if anyone's read them. I, Stargirl was made into a movie on Disney Plus like last year. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. But, but the on. book's been around for a really long time. I think it was a lot bigger in America. Anyway, this girl then like she moved to a different town and I think her dad was a milkman. There was a milkman somewhere. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> She was helping this milkman and she, I think she was carrying milk into the house. Um, And I just, just whenever I think about, whenever I I, like, I hear this song and like the lines, like your mom and daddy's walls are covered up in pictures of you and you never met a mirror that you didn't look again into. I just picture like the inside of this house that she's carrying milk into looking at pictures on the wall. And I don't know why, but it's like, it's related in my brain. Anyway, that's just that's just facts about how strange my mind is. That's nothing to do with the actual song. You know what this song, right? This is gonna sound like a really like far-fetched. You know what this is gonna come across as? This is gonna come across as as everyone saying that every single song on folklore is about the master situation. Oh no. But does this not song not strike you as her wanting a record deal that would let her make her own music, write her own music and publish her own music rather than the Sony songwriting deal where she was writing music but stay behind the scenes and she left that I see I know it what, I, I know what, what I want saying. but it ain't you I see what you're saying I don't think it is but like that is just a parallel I feel like it could represent a number of situations like metaphorically mm. put into this situation of 
someone thinking they're really cool and wanting to date her but she's like now yeah you're like self-obsessed and narcissistic etc but I love it as a song yeah like it just it it hits that song. angry it's the countryness of it it's very countryfied so do we think it's a metaphor or do we think it's about a relationship I mean she will have been 14 at this point 15 surely oh, my wait was it written 2005 2005 you're right 15 sorry um yeah okay she will have been 15 I think some people speculate that it's about the same guy she wrote Picture to Burn about. Yeah, I kind of see that. But I I, I don't think it is. Like, I can see where, you're, where they're coming from. But Picture to Burn, it very much seemed he'd rejected her. But you know what? I feel like that's a very 15-year-old thing to do. Like, get rejected. And then suddenly you're like, you know what? I didn't want you anyway. Like, you're so narcissistic yeah. and self-obsessed. Like, I can see them being about the same guy and two different, like, like picture to burn being immediately afterwards. Like, I've been rejected and I'm angry at you. And, like, why did you reject me? Rude. And then, like, I know what I want being a month or so later. Like, what the fuck? I didn't even want you anyway. Like, changing the narrative. Yeah. Relatable. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. I completely get it. So why do we think it didn't make the album? I think it's just too country, to be honest. I think for her I really first hate it when I ask that question and you or Rachel goes, it's too country. I'm like, God damn it, no. I think she could have a pre-debut album that is like like even debut. I know she was um marketed as a country artist, but even debut, she was country pop, really. And I feel like she could have a pre-debut album that was pure country and have things like who I've always been, I know what I want. Majorly indie records vibes, anybody? <gasps> Yeah, I really do wish that we had more information on that. For anyone who doesn't know, it's basically like I think it was a mini album that she put out before she was signed to Big Machine. I think in two thousand five. Mm-hmm. Um, there is very very little known about it, if anything, other than like a couple of songs that were on it. So we can't really go into that because truthfully, we don't know. But you're right. Like if there had been a more fleshed out album before debut but then again debut was debut and debut was the way she wanted to launch her career but yeah but you can't these you can't go like super country between debut and fearless like that was my other option like flesh out the beautiful eyes ep but you can almost see her transition from country to country pop to pure pop like throughout Mm. her albums like it gets more poppy as she gets more popular Oh, definitely. And so you can't put a pure country album in there unless you do like an EP. Yeah, unless she kind of started off with debut being more country and then it just slowed the progression a bit. So Fearless was more country than it is. Speak Now was more country than it is. Red was, and you know, kind of delayed the popification, Mm -hmm. yassification, etc. I mean, saying that, I think something like Tell Me Why is more country than a lot of debut. I agree with that, but yeah. The album as a whole, I guess, is probably more pop. I'd say 50-50. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so we clearly are big fans of this song. But do you think it will make it onto the vault of the debut album? Oh, it's so hard. The problem with the debut album vault is that there's so many good ones to pick from. And I'm sure it's the same for the other albums as well. But debut has 
what when did she start writing when she was 12 so yep. 2002 to 2006 one two three four five years it took me ages to work that out five years inclusive of 2002 and 2006 worth of songs and she we know she was writing like mad during that time and I do think for debut there's more fully written songs completed songs than there are for the other albums so there's just so many to pick from from debut yeah 100 and also mm-hmm. we know that she was saving songs back for future albums that she then didn't use yeah so we know there are songs that she thinks are album worthy just sat out there in a box I mean if we go off that theory then we know that the ones we know that Dark Blue Tennessee was potentially going to be on Fearless that's true so that's one that she definitely saw as album worthy mm-hmm. what was the other one that was on that the mirror one. Yeah, but no, there was another one that didn't end up on the Fearless Vault. I don't have the mirror picture. So essentially, my theory was that I just think there's so many good ones to pick from on debut. And I would prefer to see who I've always been compared to I Know What I Want. But then again, I feel like I Know What I Want is less controversial than who I've always been. That's true. So I feel like it's a really difficult one. It's an impossible question because there are so many that could end up Permanent there. marker. Thank you. Sorry. Permanent you marker. Who's the other one on the mirror? I've got I it. can see permanent marker 100% ending up on. Can you though? We've had this conversation. It's not the best song, but it was almost performed enough that it was basically released anyway. I'd be surprised if she didn't put it on there. True. And she did say she was going to put it on there. Yeah. Way back when. Anyway, we are so going off on the tangent. But <laughs> I would... I would like to say that I know what I want will be on debut vault, but then again, I would like to say that about pretty much all of the unreleased songs. So I feel like we can't make a proper judgment because we're so biased. I know. If you were to pick six unreleased songs that we either know of or know exist to put on the debut vault, though, you don't have to pick them now, but would I know what I want be on there? No. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but it hurts me to say it. <laughs> I just feel awful. I feel like I'm betraying a child. Oh, God, I don't know. I just want, like, forget, like, the Vault song. I just want a whole new, like, not a new album. I want the re-recorded debut, but then I want Fearful. Absolutely. The secret emo tailor that was locked in the Big Machine Basement album. I have something to add. Tell me. A song like this, I don't think her current day vocals could do justice to. Ooh, that is a fair point. She doesn't have, I the mean, there are, argue, there are arguments that she never actually had the country twang and that it was put on. Yeah, but I don't know if she'd re-put it on if that I makes sense. Could. I think, I mean, for things like our song to be re-recorded, I think it's going to be really strange to listen to because I don't think that she will add that accent I think she will a little bit but I don't think it will be as pronounced as it is on debut and it won't be as like authentic but also it's the fact that like you can tell that she's young in those vocals Mm. and you just I don't get me wrong I absolutely love her vocals now and her young voice would not be able to do justice to a folklore song but of course her folklore vocals are almost too strong for an album like Debut, which is quite clearly being sung by a teenager. It's so hard. It is difficult. 
I can't imagine how difficult it is for her to have to absolutely recreate line for line. No, it must be insane. Yeah, it's got to be impossible. Okay, so before we before we close out this episode, I'm going to be annoying and ask you for a favorite lyric. Oh no, I like this one. My favorite lyric. Can Thank I have you. a? Yeah, I'm going to have a long one. I really like. You're going to quote the whole song, aren't you? You never met a mirror that you didn't look into. No, look again into. Yeah, that as well. That, that that's is, what I meant. That's, that's incredible. such a good one. I love that one. I'm I'm stuck between the second pre-chorus and the bridge. Like I really love the so sorry, don't worry. I'm sure there are so many girls who love you like you do. Because oh, that that's is good. Just such a burn. But then again, I also really like in the bridge where she goes, I know that you ain't used to know, so let me say it real slow. Oh no, I do like that. I really like, like those, that those are both so it's so condescending exactly condescending that's a better word for it I feel like this whole song is really condescending like condescending and petty in the best way possible it's so me unfortunately that's all we've got time for today thanks for listening don't forget to follow us on social media for exclusive content and we'll see you again next week with a new episode of the swift legacy podcast